Walters is happy to welcome both the Nationals and D.C. United back home this week. If you're heading to any games, we encourage you to stop by Walters before, during, or after the game. Walters also is one of the best locations in D.C. to follow the Capitals and the Wizards 2021 postseason run. So when the Nationals are away, there still are great reasons to walk on over to Walters. Walters has a loaded menu, including burgers, wings, and their beer wall is full of options, including many local drafts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And ready. Wide open stands for the left-handed hitter Herrera. And the pitch. Slider swung on, hit in the air to deep right center field. Robles going back, way back, warning track of the wall. It is gone! A home run for Oduble Herrera on an 0-1 slider. He has tied this game with his second home run of the year. The 2-2. Swing a line drive, base hit, right center field for Andrew Knapp, and it's 5-2 Phillies. This is the way I look at it. We're going to win together, we're going to lose together. Brad Hand did not lose the game, uh, so we're going to stick together. I mean, I talked to the boys tonight, and we're going to stay positive. We're going through a rough time. We're going through a rough time as a team, not just one individual. So we're going to stay positive and we're going to get through this. We've been here before, you know. Uh, I, I often talk about the bumpy roads. They're bumpy right now, but we'll get through it. And welcome to Nats Chat for Thursday, May 13th, 2021, along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of Massinsports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. It happened again. Brad Hand blowing a save for a second time in three appearances, struggling for a third consecutive appearance. The Nationals losing again, a seventh loss in eight games, 13 and 19 now is the record. A 5 2 10 inning loss to the Philadelphia Phillies at Nationals Park on Wednesday night in game two of a three game series. After which, we had the dreaded team meeting. Let the record show. It took just until May 12th for the team meeting bullet to be fired by Davey Martinez. What are we to make of that, Mark? Oh, boy, Al. Uh, This isn't something that Davey does a lot. There are some managers who will do these things more often. Davey really picks his spots, and it's not a big thing for him. And he said he did it because he noticed a couple of heads dragging after the game. Uh, He thought that there was maybe a little more... uh, few guys demoralized after this one than have been in the past. And so we felt like it was time to do it. And his message was essentially, we win as a team, we lose as a team. We didn't lose because of Brad Hand, even though he obviously took the loss. And if he does his job in the ninth inning, they win the game. And he wants them to believe that they are close. 
He says if there was a lack of effort, it would have been a very different kind of meeting. This was a pump you up kind of meeting, not a tear you down kind of meeting. He feels like they're close. He knows that they're a couple hits away every night from scoring more runs and taking a lead. Obviously, they're one or two pitches away in the late innings from winning games. And, you know, there's something to that. Obviously, we've been talking about for more than a month now the deficiencies of this lineup, the small margin for error that they have. He's trying to look on the bright side of it. He's trying to get them to stay positive uh, through this bumpy patch. We'll see. He and they can look at 2019 and say there are a lot of similarities. And I think that's what he's shooting for here. And he realizes that they got better when they loosened up. They weren't tight and just went out and had fun and played ball. And that's what he wants them again. This is a different team than that one. And I don't know that that alone is going to work. They're going to have to start hitting and start executing because unlike that 2019 team, there aren't a bunch of players coming back from injury. And there isn't a lineup in place here that looks nearly as imposing as that one did. No, I mean, look, this is where Davey does some of his best work. He is good at this stuff, you know, the pride of the boys stuff and keeping people loose and keeping people in a positive frame of mind. So I do give him credit for that. I think this team meeting stuff is always so funny, though, because we'll hear about these things when they work. We never hear about the team meetings that don't end up working. And to your point, I think with this team this season, it's not about them playing tight. It's not about a lack of effort. And Davey said it isn't. I just don't know that they're that good. I mean, that to me is kind of the concern here is that this team just isn't that good. And it's becoming almost comical the extent to which Davey every game is tinkering with the lineup, trying out something new, did so again on Wednesday night. I don't blame Davey for doing that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like he's putting lipstick on a bunch of pigs. And it's like he's trying to make something that just isn't designed to be great to end up being great. And I get trying to maximize something. But I just don't know that this lineup, I mean, I don't care who you bat lead off, who you bat second, who you bat third. Like, it just hasn't been very good. <laughs> it wasn't good again on Wednesday night. Nats go one for 13 with runners in scoring position. Another game in which the Nationals score three runs or less, this time a mere two runs. We'll get to the lineup uh, in a moment. But the Brad Hand situation, the bullpen situation, because it wasn't just Hand, it was also Kyle Finnegan. But Hand ends up being the thing. Three runs, two earned in one official inning of work. Like I said, third consecutive bad outing, second blown save chance over his previous three outings. This is a guy in hand who came into the season having not blown a save since August 2019. He's now blown each of his last two save opportunities in terms of the two blown saves over the last three games. Gives up the run in the top of the ninth, one out game-tying solo homer by Odubel Herrera to tie the game at two. Then he issued a two-out full-count hit by pitch of Andrew McCutcheon, had McCutcheon down 0-2, Hand, though, gets out of the inning, stays in the game for the top of the 10 for the lefty-on-lefty matchup, gives up the leadoff full-count single to Bryce Harper. Davey pulls hand in favor of Kyle Finnegan. Finnegan comes into the game in a tough spot, right? Runners on first and third, and on his second pitch, gives up a ribby single to Reese Hoskins, then gets Alec Bohm to ground out into a double play, but then come back-to-back two-out ribby singles by Nick Maton and Andrew Knapp. Philly's up 5-2 at that point. And that's the ball game. You had, at least I did, zero faith that the Nats would be rallying to win this game. And I think that may be where the heads hanging thing showed up because they did not put up much of a fight in the bottom of the 10th. And I can't say I fault them. After the way that game went to that point, it would be hard to get yourself back up to try to rally again. All right, let's start with hand in the ninth. Now, here's the crazy thing. I thought he looked a lot better in this one than he did in the Yankee games. His fastball command was there. He struck out three batters. He was not falling behind hitters. He wasn't all over the place like he was against the Yankees. He just hung a slider to Odubel Herrera and paid the price for it. Now, it was an awful pitch, but it was 
really just that one pitch that inning. Everything else looked a lot better. And so it was a different kind of blown save. It wasn't like a similar pattern to what we had seen at Yankee Stadium over the weekend. Now, the decision to bring him back for the 10th, which I'm sure lots of people, myself included, were scratching their heads and like, really, we're going to do this again after already seeing this strategy backfire on Saturday? Well, here's the problem. Bryce Harper's leading off the 10th. He's a lefty. Are you going to pull your lefty ace to then bring in Finnegan to start the 10th against him? And it was just going to be one batter. Even if he got Harper out, Hand was not staying in. It was strictly a matchup for the one batter. And if you look at it, it was a pitch well off the plate and Bryce stuck his bat out and singled to left. And so it was a nice job by him. So I'm not trying to excuse Brad Hand. He gave up the home run on an awful pitch, but it was better than he was in New York. And I understand the rationale for letting him start the 10th. Kyle Finnegan made a mess of it, what happened after that. Now, again, the stupid extra inning rule gives him no margin for error where there's already a runner in scoring position. But the Hoskins single is one thing, but you mentioned the others. When you're getting beat by Nick Maton and Andrew Knapp and Odubel Herrera, for that matter, on the home run in the ninth, these are not the guys who are supposed to be beating you out of the Phillies lineup. And that's troubling. Finnegan said he felt like he didn't have his put-away stuff. He would get to head in the count and get to two strikes, and he couldn't finish him off. This is back-to-back rough outing for him because he gave up three in the opener of the series. That's a problem. I think we knew this bullpen wasn't as dominant as it was for much of the first half, uh, first month of the season, but certainly you'd like to think they're better than this. And unfortunately, when you're dealing with a lineup that scores two runs a night, the bullpen has to be perfect. And it was not perfect. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, Brad Hand had the blown save, but you scored two runs. That's why you lost on Wednesday night. Okay. Like that's where you start with this game. I think it's interesting. I had no problem with Hand coming out to face Harper to begin that inning. The lefty-on-lefty thing made total sense. I think what was disappointing about that, too, is Hand had Bryce down 1-2 at one point. And Hand is a strikeout pitcher. He actually has had some strikeouts lately. Had some strikeouts on Wednesday night, but was unable to K Bryce Harper. Harper ends up putting forth a single, and then Finnegan comes in and has a hard time with it. It's odd, too, because the Nets bullpen prior to Hand and Finnegan was good in this game. Sam Clay, scoreless top of the seventh, including inducing a ground out off the bat of Harper for the third out of uh, putting a couple of guys on. And Daniel Hudson had a perfect top of the eighth inning. So the bullpen initially looked good. All Hand had to do was get those outs in the ninth and obviously was unable to do so. The struggles of Hand and Finnegan also end up wasting another nice start from John Lester. Like, if not for the bullpen, we're probably spending a lot of time here on Lester and what he did. And no, he wasn't dominant. And I don't know that he's ever going to be dominant. He's not the guy that he was years ago, but he has been effective. Wednesday night, one run in six innings, Four strikeouts versus six hits, a double, and five singles. He issued three walks on 97 pitches. I mean, he doesn't blow you away. He puts guys on base, that's for sure. There isn't much in the way of the clean inning. But here's the bottom line. John Lester now for the Nationals over three starts has an ERA at 225, okay? Now, he only has 10 strikeouts versus seven walks, which I think kind of captures the lack of dominance. But 225 ERA over three starts, you take that in a heartbeat if you're the Nationals. You absolutely take it. This is exactly who they thought they were getting and who they wanted him to be. They did not need him to be an ace. They needed him to be a reliable fourth starter who gives them innings every fifth day and gives them a chance to win. And that's exactly what he has done. He is a guy who's not going to panic when he gets into trouble. He's able to pitch his way out of jams. He got a double play ball in the third inning. He got some help from his good buddy, Kyle Schwarber, who threw out Odubel Herrera trying to score in the fifth. It's Schwarber's third outfield assist already this year. The kick in the pitch. Swing, and he loops one to left. 
on a cutter, a base hit. Schwarber charges, rounding third. Herrera coming home, throw to the plate, close. He is out at the plate, and the inning is over. Kyle Schwarber with a tremendous throw. He has the most of any left fielder in the majors since 2017. Lester even said he's surprised that anybody tries to run on Schwarber at this point because they should understand that he actually has a good arm. But I think if you can just keep getting this out of John Lester in the long run, that signing is going to pay off big time for them. He doesn't need to even build his arm up any more than this. They don't need him to get to the seventh inning. Give him six like this, and they will be more than satisfied with it. You know, not to look for silver linings here, but that has been very encouraging. And for all the troubles we were talking about in the rotation those first three weeks of the season when there were a bunch of blow-up games, I know they haven't been perfect since. Aside from Max Scherzer, they haven't been great, but they've all given them a chance to win. And if you just hit a little more, these guys are going to be coming away with wins because the rotation is giving them a chance. Yeah, you know, with Schwarber, it's so funny. Like with defense, there are various aspects to defense in baseball, right? There's your arm, there's your range, there's your ability to actually catch the baseball. I think when it comes to things like range and maybe catching balls all the time, maybe Schwarber's had issues with those. I mean, the defensive numbers would tell you that. But the arm is there, and the arm plays, and we are seeing that this season. The stat cast data for that outfield assist to nail Odubel Herrera at home for the third out on the Bryce Harper single to left field in the top of the fifth, that was a 91.3 mile per hour throw by Schwarber. Understand league average is 87.7 miles per hour. Schwarber was at 91.3. He's got a gun, and we've seen that multiple times already this year. So I give him full credit for that. That was a terrific play that uh, Kyle Schwarber made for that outfield assist. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nats Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. Hey, Natshot listeners, Tim Shovers here to tell you about Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that taste absolutely delicious and are easy to take on the go. Sunday Scaries CBD gummies help you live life scare-free by promoting a sense of calm, quieting your mind, and just helping you to chill out and relax. Today, you can get 25% off your first order with the code NATSCHAT at sundayscaries.com. If you go to sundayscaries.com, you can check out all their products. They got CBD gummies, vegan CBD gummies, CBD oil, CBD candy, strawberry CBD gummies, and CBD bath bombs. I've been taking some CBD gummies since they sent me a care package, and I've been sleeping the best that I've had in years. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com. Enter code NATSCHAT or ask for a coupon on the checkout page. Ready to chill out and get some much-needed peace of mind during this losing skid? Head to sundayscaries.com right now to get 25% off some sweet, sweet CBD gummies. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here's Alex Avila. One on, one out, and the pitch. Avila hits a mile-high fly ball to right center. Harper going back on this. It's deep to the warning track. He angles along the track. The ball drops, and then he collides with Herrera, and the ball's loose on the warning track. Headed to the plate is Castro. Headed for third is Avila, and they're all in there. Castro scores Avila to third. The lineup, another performance that was not good enough. Nats scored just the two runs, go one for 13 with runners in scoring position. Still, to me, are not hitting for nearly enough power. And you could say, well, Alex Avila had a triple. That was one of those triples that, yeah, yeah, it's a triple, but it's not a triple, okay? And it was hysterical to watch, okay? Harper and Oduble Herrera crashing into each other on a ball that bounced on the warning track. But, like, that goes down as an extra base hit. But was it really? I mean, if we're being honest about things, the latest new look lineup, from Davey Martinez, had Andrew Stevenson in the leadoff spot, Trey Turner batting second, Juan Soto batting third, Ryan Zimmerman batting fourth. And, you know, each guy had his moment or two, but each guy also had some real struggles. You know, Trey Turner striking out on five pitches, runners on first and second, one out, bottom of the fifth, followed by a strikeout by Juan Soto in that spot. Ryan Zimmerman, a brutal inning-ending double play with runners on first and second, one out, and the game tied at two in the bottom of the ninth. So, you know, Davey tried to mix it up again, but the results ended up again being underwhelming. I think he might have listened to our podcast Wednesday morning when, oh, lo and behold, I talked about the need to get somebody else hitting in front of Turner and Soto and try to give them more opportunities with runners in scoring position. He said before the game, that's exactly what he was trying to do. And he actually got what he wanted in the fifth inning, two on, one out, your two big guys coming up to bat. And like you said, they both struck out. What are you supposed to do? That's a spot that you would just have to believe that, you know, nine times out of 10, either Turner or Soto is going to come through for you there. They both struck out against Zach Wheeler. And once again, now the 12th time in 32 games this season, the Nationals have been held scoreless through the fifth inning. It's the same thing every night. And then they did finally turn it on in the sixth. Zimmerman started it with the double. They had the Castro RBI single, the Avila quote unquote triple when Harper used to deal with the Sun Monster here at Nationals Park. I'm not so sure the Sun Monster was still out at 9.06 p.m. when he lost that ball somehow and then collided with Herrera and the ball just trickled away onto the warning track. That was an unbelievable moment. And if they win the game two to one, that's the story of the game right there. Can you believe Bryce Harper botching that play? It unfortunately wasn't. But I feel for Davey here because I don't know what else he's supposed to do. He 
got Turner and Soto into spots with runners on base. He started Zimmerman over Bell. It didn't work. They're just not able to produce hits when they need it. And that's what he was talking about, the need to relax and just have fun and all that. But, you know, that's great. But you got to still have the ability to actually drive the ball and especially for power, which they just have not done consistently. And that's where I do worry about whether this lineup can turn it around. It's not just going to be a mental thing. It's not an attitude thing. It's just actual hitting ability. And these are the guys. There's nobody waiting in the wings to take over. This is who it's going to have to be one way or another, no matter what the lineup looks like. The names are going to stay the same, and eventually it's going to have to turn around or they're just not going to win this year. Davey did do the thing on Wednesday night of batting the pitcher eighth and batting a position player ninth. John Lester did have a hit on Wednesday night. We should note that. Uh, But Jordy Mercer was the national starting second baseman and number nine batter, 0 for 4, with a big strikeout himself. Uh, Strikeout swinging on three pitches with the bases loaded, two outs, and the Nats nursing a 2-1 lead in the bottom of the eighth inning. All of these fails with runners on base add up, and the Nationals have had so many of them so far this year. The bright spot was Starlin Castro. And, you know, to me, it's interesting with Castro because he's not hitting for power. Like, it's just a parade of singles. But, I mean, he deserves credit for this. He's getting a bunch of singles. He's getting a bunch of hits. Has a nice hitting streak right now. He was the number six batter on Wednesday night. Four for five. Four singles, including an RBI single. Had a one-out single, bottom of the second. Two-out single, bottom of the fourth. One-out first pitch, RBI single in the Nationals. Two-run six inning and a two-out single in the bottom of the eighth inning. It says a lot that Starlin Castro... It's an offensive bright spot. I mean, he's not a bad player, but, you know, he's not supposed to be one of your better players. But he's done a nice job here lately, for sure. And for a lineup in which success is hard to find, Castro is having some success here. He is. And, you know, he's being who he needs to be. He mentioned that he's been trying to cut down on chasing the pitches out of the zone. He's been striking out a little bit more than you would expect from him this year because he's somebody who feels like he can make contact anywhere. It doesn't even have to be in the strike zone. But that's not good if you're making weak contact and, and not, uh, you know, it's not paying off for you. So he, he's trying to be a little more selective at the plate. And I remember thinking, I think we talked about it on opening day in the first week of the season when he had a bunch of RBIs. If he's coming up as your six hitter and there are runners on base all the time, that's a great opportunity for somebody who just puts the bat on the ball and can maybe drive him in. The problem is that the hitters in front of him just don't get on base enough, Bell and Schwarber in particular. So I don't know where the right place for him is. I, he can't hit cleanup consistently. That's just, he just doesn't hit for enough power to make that work. Could he hit like second or first? I mean, maybe, but that doesn't fit the description either. I think ultimately he's going to have to be the one who bats behind the quote unquote big guys. And he's just going to have to hope that the big guys are on base enough to give him opportunities to drive them in with singles because that's kind of his one real skill set here. And it's a valuable one to have, but your lineup can't be built around him. He's got to be like the extra piece for them uh, that benefits from the production of all the others in front of him. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to the lack of depth, the lack of length for this lineup. Castro on the season is batting 300. That's obviously really good. Has a 344 on base. That's very nice, but he's slugging 383. I mean, that's really low. I mean, that's, again, he's just giving you a bunch of singles and not much more, but four hits on Wednesday night. Did want to uh, note that. Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. I'm so excited that we have baseball. There's nothing like watching a game with great weather, a cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you've never bet on baseball before, now's actually the perfect time to give that a shot because FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free. You'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same-game parlay bet 
falls one leg short. This way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. Nationals play during the day on Thursday, but Thursday evening, we have the Miami Marlins at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Starting for the Marlins, impressive lefty Trevor Rogers. He of the 189 ERA over seven starts so far this season. Marlins look like the play. There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds in all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay and always on promotions that let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. 21 plus and present Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 109 with it, Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 100-GAMBLER, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. A Nats note I did want to make mention of because he has become kind of a cult hero on this Nats Chad podcast. Farewell to Paolo Espino, at least for now. I do think he'll be back. He certainly deserves to be back. The Nationals on Wednesday returning from rehab assignment and reinstating from the 10-day injured list. Wander Suero, he is back. He'd been on the 10-day IL since April 18th due to a left oblique strain, but the corresponding roster move does end up being our guy, Paolo, to AAA Rochester. Espino ultimately an ERA of 164. We've had our fun with him. I've certainly had my fun with him, but he did a nice job. So a salute to Paolo for that sub two ERA that he just put forth. He did more than a nice job, Al. You take out that emergency start for Steven Strasburg, and then he got to stick around in the bullpen after that. You know what he did as a reliever? He faced 20 hitters and he retired 20 hitters. He was perfect out of the bullpen. And if that can't keep you a job in the big leagues, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, it's it's a tough break for him. He did everything in his power to remain on the roster. I get why he's the one to go down. He has options. The only other real one they could have moved would be Sam Clay, who has been very good himself and as a lefty is valuable. I suppose they could have said Tanner Rainey needs to work on some stuff and send him down, but don't think they believe that's the right move for him at this time. I do think we'll see Espino again. Good for him for delivering when they called on him. He wasn't pitching to high leverage spots, anything like that. But that's a valuable arm to uh, to have. And, you know, let's see. Bullpen depth is going to be important. They're not just going to use the same seven guys, you know, all season long. There are going to be others ultimately that they're going to need. And, uh, you know, maybe we will see him come up uh, again when there's another need. All right. So the Nationals now in danger of being swept again. We'll try to avoid a three-game sweep to the Phillies Thursday afternoon. It's a 105 first pitch. It is Patrick Corbin versus Zach Eflin. This is going to be another game in which, in theory anyway, runs will be hard to come by. Eflin, like Zach Wheeler, is having a good season. Zach Eflin, over seven starts this year, is an ERA of 338, an ERA plus of 117. And how about this with Eflin? He has, coming into games on Wednesday, the lowest walk rate in the majors. Walks per nine innings, 0.596. That's outstanding. But he also, coming into games on Wednesday, was tied for the most hits allowed in the majors at 48. So he's not walking guys, but he has given up hits. I know some of that can be the variance of the batted ball, but Eflin, maybe you can get to him in that regard. Might be a perfect game for a guy like Starling Castro, actually, now that I think about it. But the overall run prevention has been good. And then with Corbin, you know, every game we kind of go through this with him. You close your eyes and you hope for the best at this point. 
He was kind of meh in his last game, the 11-4 win at the Yankees on Friday night, three runs in six innings, but it would be a killer for the Nats to get swept in this series by the Phillies. And the New York Mets did win again on Wednesday, and I know it's too early to get caught up in the standings, but the Mets now have won seven consecutive games, and the Nats for the moment are five and a half games behind the Mets for first in the National League East. Nats do remain last in the division. Yeah, look, find a way to win before you head out on a road trip. You just have to figure out some kind of way. Maybe it's a good matchup with Eflin because the Nats don't draw walks. Surprisingly, this is a team full of patient hitters that's just not drawing walks for whatever reason. So maybe they can get hits. I'm going to warn everyone now, Josh Bell is almost certainly going to be at first base on the day game after the night game. I don't think Zim is going to be back in there. Maybe pinch hit late, but I think you are going to see Bell in there again. You'll see Gomes behind the plate working with Corbin. Harrison will probably be back at second base after getting a, a day off. They've got to find a way to string them together. They've got to hope that Corbin does his job and then hope the bullpen can hold on. It's a lot of hoping that they need just to win a game right now. I would expect to see Wander Suero, who shockingly did not appear on Wednesday, even though he was active and available again. We didn't get to do the Suero meter in his first game back. I would imagine we'll be seeing him. And look, I know Davey is expressing confidence in Brad Hand, but if the situation arises again and it's a one-run game in the ninth, is he your closer? Or are you just going to give him a little mental breather and go with Hudson? I think it's a fascinating question. We'll see when it comes up, whether they do it or not. I don't think it's an insult to Brad Hand to give him a day off at this point. I think you can justify that without questioning whether he is still your closer long term. Yeah, this is part of why I don't like it when you declare people in different roles. You just should have a bunch of outgetters in your bullpen and you deploy them as you want to. Hudson, I'm surprised, but pleasantly so. He's been really good so far this year. 169 ERA now on the season for him. So if you do go with him, and he obviously has the closing experience, there definitely is a justification for that. You tell us what you think. The Nationals are in a rut right now. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you can tweet us at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, Nats chat podcast at gmail.com. A reminder, if you haven't already, to subscribe to the podcast via whatever app you use. Subscribing costs you nothing. Make sure that you never miss an episode. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast.